1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Wednesday War College, uh, Dr. Dan Schneider, Kyle Clement. Uh, I should have both of them on today. I see Dr. Dan Schneider. Hey, welcome, Dan. Good morning. And uh, I don't hear Dan. Do not hear Dan. I don't. All right, all right. I'm good to go. I'm I hear you. Hey, uh, we're waiting for we're waiting for Kyle. Okay, uh, good. Yeah, Dan, I just it's wa- always it's always a challenge. Uh, it's, it's yeah, but, never technology these days. You do the best yeah. you can. You know? Dan, before Doc Collar comes on, I just want to get your take. Um, I think we're going through one of the saddest times of our country right now. When a, uh, a sitting president would use the FBI and weaponize the FBI against a predecessor. We've never seen anything like this. Joe Biden ran as the great unifier. He's anything but the great unifier. He's a great divider. Uh, it is a it is a sad state of affairs. What's happened in our country the last two days? Uh, it, we we seem to have be turned into a banana republic. Any comment from me before we get into spiritual warfare? No, I mean it, it, you know absolutely. I, I agree with you. I think it's 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 unprecedented, and and democracy. Uh, you know the the rule of law is is in, in in common decency is is part of democracy, and and what we see is just an absolute abuse of power. It's 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 pretty scary but the but the logic look these people have been using luciferian tactics and logic since they discovered and rediscovered Saul Alinsky's work and when the clintons and the rest of these discovered Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals which by the way in the original version he dedicates to lucifer the first radical this is a book on political movement how how to how to uh, um uh, how to how to use certain tactics which is what the progressive left is doing today and so, um, look, this is a spiritual battle at a, at a, at a very large level. We've got to keep praying and keep praying for our country and keep working uh, um, to bring about to bring about good. But we see we see the like you said, I'm sure you and you and Terry are going to talk about it on your show. But it's it's pretty it's pretty sad. Um, power. Absolutely. Dan, I just want to mention I, uh, there's an article called <laughs> humility, The Humility of Silence. Before we get into the. Father Ripperger's book, and you start explaining the prayers to us and the use of the prayers. The article, The Humility of Silence, I think I sent it to you. Um, my question is, does healing and liberation from the diabolical occur more quickly from an afflicted person if they start incorporating silence and they start unplugging from the world for a while? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the hard part is, is that the, the higher the levels of affliction, you see um, what you've got is a constant diabolic monologue. So part of the protocol that we use is in phase one is to, is to do a complete media fast and, um, and, and, and they have to withdraw from the media, social media. I mean, their, their phones or computers for, for vocation related things, work and vocation. Otherwise they shut down and believe it or not, that is, that is, the hardest thing that it gets reported, but what you have to, you, you have to instill 
interior discipline so that you can start gaining interior silence, um, interior stillness. And, and part of that is, is in that discipline is learning, learning to discern your own voice from projections, diabolic projections, mm. your own psychological projections, and be able to hear the voice of God through prayer. So this is why in, in the manual that I've written, we try to walk the, the person beginning with like what we're going over here once Kyle logs in going beginning with vocal prayer and after vocal with vocal prayer um ratcheting up into mental prayer and learning custody of the mind and, mm. and in that in that that this is where heart to heart you know the 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 the, the motto of, of of saint john henry newman core ad core locritor where heart to heart speaks and it must be done through interior and exterior silence so spending time in prayer every single day we can go over this manual and and yeah it's great to learn how to use this prayer and how to use that prayer but 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 when you're praying from a place of silence one sigh from the blessed virgin mary can move the heart of god so so learning to to foster a Marian-like silence and interior interior silence, as well as an exterior silence amid a, amidst a crazy, loud world. Then there's a few things that jump out of me in this article that I send you. One of them, it says, um, the power of silence is that it carries far more weight than constant chatter. We all know we all know someone who seldom speaks, but when she does, every word is carefully selected and reflects much wisdom. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Also, Saint Joseph is a popular example of a saint who spoke not one word in scripture, yet whose life mirrored exemplary yeah. virtue. Another thing that jumps out at me here is, it says, uh, the reason silence can be so humbling to many of us is that there are occasions when God might want us, li want us to listen rather than to deliberate. So, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, silence is a powerful weapon. Again, just to for somebody to... to become delivered and to and to reorient their uh, relationship and back to god the father correct right so so <laughs> the pr prayer of silence i mean as you progress through prayer you can't just just well let's just do centering prayer and let's do these eastern forms of prayer or yoga and we try to we we, we grasp for eastern forms we have to stick to what we know in the West. We're Western. We're Christian. And so we walk through the lowest level of prayer is vocal prayer. Um, and even in vocal prayer um, um, and then meditative prayer, the, you know, the, the spiritual writers will talk about consideration, application, resolution. You consider the object of meditation, what you're what you're praying about, the rosary meditations, the seeing, whatever. How does this apply to me? And then what are my resolutions moving forward? There's a system and structure. And only after you do, you know, Jess, let's say you and I were going to do a 10 round fight, right? Um, mm. you, you need to do the groundwork. You need to do the road work. You're not going to just jump in the ring and be able to withstand that, that kind of, and you need, you need to gas. Meditative prayer and, and, and lays the foundation for later forms of contemplative prayer, but it all begins from interior silence. If you're, if you're praying, from a place of, of, of you're petitioning God, even in vocal prayer, from a place of fear and place of anger, even anger at the demon, even anger at, at the situation or whatever, that emotionality disturbed your interior silence. And it's from that place of silence that the real power of prayer is found. Got it. While you're listening to the Wednesday War College, uh, Dan Schneider, we're waiting for Kyle Clement. We're going to be talking about, in fact, uh, we should jump into the first one on page 25 because that's where we I think Kyle's off. here. I, I see him on. I see him logged on. See if you can catch him. Kyle, are you on? Kyle, Kyle are you on? Kyle Clement, are you? Yes. 
Okay, great. Yes, I am. Hey, Kyle, let me get a comment from you before we end the first segment. The next segment, I want to get into the father Father's book and go through some of the prayers. Uh, what's your comment on what happened uh, two days ago in this country, the uh, the raid on, on Mar-a-Lago on, on a former president's house by the sitting president? To me, Dan and myself, we think this is an abuse of power. This is the... <laughs> This is the trappings of a banana republic. We've never seen anything like this before. Uh, this this is something that is going to divide divide the country even further. You have any comments on what happened two days ago, Kyle? Waiting for Kyle. <clears throat> yes, can you hear me, Jess? I can hear you now. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you and Dan are Captain Obvious. Um, the statements that you're making are beyond, uh, re- you know, argument or beyond repute. Um, you, you, we're seeing what we're seeing. I think that, uh, you know, you, you think back to the FBI has a, a long and storied uh, past. And I, and I think that you look at Ruby Ridge, you look at various other uh, debacles, you look at Waco, David um, uh, Koresh in, in Waco, you look at those debacles. This is a, this is a, um, uh, going back to Herbert, Herbert Hoover days, um, Ed, J. Edgar Hoover days, this agency has a very, very storied and checkered past and it has always been a political entity. Um, if you've ever dealt with them on any kind, and you have Jesse in law enforcement, um, they are very politically motivated. I don't trust them them as far as I can spit. They need to be dismissed. The FBI FBI needs to Yes, anybody who has ever interacted with them in the field in an official capacity uh, knows exactly what I'm talking about. And so, yeah, yeah, what you're seeing is what you're seeing. Um, this is, and again, evil goes, it militates to absurdity, and it goes to where it is resisted. And so until there is a basta, stop, no more, until there is that reaction, um, then the evil is going to continue to militate um, overtly, not covertly, overtly out in the open. Here's the important thing to remember about the militation of evil is that it will stop where it is resisted and then it will encamp. You must drive it back because there is going to be um, this political ideology is going to advance until uh, we say no more. uh, And then they're going to show their real hand. We saw this in uh, uh, in the abortion question in Roe Wade. We we see it when they're challenged. There's this visceral reaction. Um, And so until the silent majority until the silent virtuous people stand up and say, Boston, no more. Um, then you're going to have this, this, uh, degradation, this, this descent toward lawlessness. Um, and that's where we are. We're in a pagan country that is lawless. There are double, triple standards. Um, there is justice is being, uh, not just eroded, it's caving in. Do not expect justice from the judicial system. Uh, it is a function of Freemasonry. It is a function of political ideology. So just, I think you guys are exactly right. And, and you're calling a spade a spade. And that's what we've got to do as good men is call a spade a spade. Even if that spade is clergy. That's when right. you have a... Hey, Kyle, hold when on, you have clergy... Hold on, my friend. We're going to break. 
Wednesday War Calls. We'll be right back. God, come to our assistance. Lord, make haste to help us. Psalm 69, verse 2. Wednesday War College. We got the big hammers here on Wednesday. On Wednesday, we have the sledgehammers. Dan Schneider and Kyle Clement, uh, the most uh, the most literate, informed, well-read late Catholics on planet Earth, and experienced, by the way, and experienced, on uh, Catholic spiritual warfare. Uh, th- this is the one-stop shop when you want to know about spiritual warfare. Uh, the buck stops with these two guys. It doesn't get any better than this. Uh, Kyle, I asked Dan a question about the power of silence in terms of trying to heal an energumen, uh, somebody who's uh, diabolically afflicted. Is is Because I sent you guys an article called The Humility of Silence. And my question to you is, I, uh, is does healing and liberation occur more quickly of a diabolically afflicted person if they start incorporating silence and they start unplugging from the world for a while, Kyle? Yes, uh, short answer is absolutely. It's one of the key features of the protocol phase one, the diagnostic period. Um, To understand something very basic with regard to relationship, relationship is, is based on communication. There has to be communication. And so the relationship between the diabolical and the human is based on communication, psychological compatibility, and emotional response. And so what empowers the demon is negative emotional response, ultimately leading toward uh, despair, futility, which are sins against hope, the second person of the Trinity, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you can stop that conversation. Now, communication um, is on multiple levels. Intimacy is built through wordless communication, but intimacy, it can be rightly ordered or um, disordered. And so the, the demon is looking to establish that relationship and then with a minimal amount of work or effort, evoke an emotional response which compromises the psychological uh, integrity of the individual, opening them to uh, entertain thoughts of sin or the possibility of sin once the sin is committed, this is the malapis or action which then empowers the demon. That's the mechanics of how it works. Silence can break that. Um, it also gives the energumen uh, clarity. Um, Cardinal Seurat wrote a book, The Power of Silence. Um, in the opening portion of that uh, occurs in a, um, a Carthusian monastery. The Carthusians um, are beyond special forces. They're beyond the SEALs. They're beyond um, any kind of uh, strike force. These are the ultimate spiritual warriors, and at the end of their life, they're buried in their canvas, uh, canvas habit, hood uh, over their head in a marked, unmarked grave in the garden. This is, this is the level of humility that these warriors wield, um, and so they disappear faceless back into the earth. This, this type of, of orientation is absolutely uh, devastating to the demon who wants to focus on creature, wants to focus on what's happening to me, how it's happening, uh, etc. So the power of silence breaks that focal point on the creature 
and turns one toward God because God is to be found um, as Elijah found out, God is in the whisper. God is in the silence. God is is not in the um, he's not in the thunder. He's not in the lightning. He's not in the wind. He's in the interior. And so, if you can get silence, uh, if you can can achieve a silence, then you can hear or be aware of, of God. And more importantly, where your will is not in conformity with His holy will. So I hope that is not too verbose. No. Yeah. But yeah. Let me, add, let me, let me add, let me just add, make a comment on that. Um, two things. One, Kyle uses the phrases ad hominem and ad orientum. And we know these to be phrases liturgical, but um, in, in some of the scholastic writers, ad hominem um, to the man means turning inward towards the emotional self. An emotional response is what Kyle's referring to. So this emotional response to the events of life, to the traumas, to, to, to other, other things that happen to you, do you either turn to that emotional response inwardly, do you look, do you look at yourself through the lens of self or ad orientum we, the, to the east in, in a hope-filled anticipation for, for you know, ex- expectation and hope waiting for the Lord? Those, those two things. Kyle's also doing, uh, um, if you tell us more about it, Kyle, you're doing a, a, a book study, I think on Monday nights, on uh, a classic, a classic um, Lahodi's uh, The Ways of Mental Prayer. How does silence and mental prayer work uh, in conjunction with the interior life and then therefore the interior life leading towards liberation and the efficaciousness of your prayer? Do you want to comment on that or let us know what you're doing in that book study? Yeah, thanks, Dan, for the opportunity. So the book study is uh, live on Tuesday nights, but it's recorded on Zoom. If you'd like to participate, you can go to Monte Cristo, M-O-N-T-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-O um, dot net. And uh, Kate Edwards will take care of getting you signed up there. Um, and then you can listen to the back episodes, uh, have access to all of those recordings, and then plus join us. Um, live on Tuesday nights, and then there is a small group discussion on Sundays. We're very very pleased that there are uh, several priests uh, taking advantage of this book study, but this is the second book in a series of three that Father Ripperger and I, we've recommended all along as the primary bibliography for the spiritual warrior. First book is Spiritual Combat, Dom Lorenzo Scapoli, Second book is The Ways of Mental Prayer uh, by Father Lahodi. And the third is The Sanctifier by Archbishop Martinez. And those three books are, are requisite reading uh, for those who would engage in spiritual warfare. To Dan's question with regard to silence, silence plays a big, big part. Now, what Father Lahodi does is he's writing this um, from the standpoint He's quoting Bernard of Clairvaux. He's, he's quoting St. Benedict. He's quoting Blessed Marmion. All of those spiritual directors of great stature who led many, many souls to sanctity and holiness. And he starts with um, mental prayer is, uh, has several goals, but the chief and primary one is to give glory to God. And what he talks about is in the, he, he uses the language in the silence of the examined in the silence of reflection, in that these things are done silently. And so if, um, if, if you're not able to focus your total intellect in silence on a particular 
subject or a particular thing, then you're you're not using the intellect. Uh, this is this is his discussion. I'm paraphrasing, but essentially you're not using your intellect in a responsible way, and it's an actual misuse of the intellect and the will. And so this is hardcore stuff. This is not you know how to be a better soccer mom. This is how to be a saint. It's <laughs> but it's good stuff. And silence plays a very very big part because the the peace that we all seek is interior peace you you can this is the difference between piety and devotion devotion is an external expression hopefully it matches the internal disposition but the pious person the person with love of god the father and love of the authority and the offices that are in fact over him that person with true piety will be devout it's possible to be devout without being pious, but it is impossible to be pious without being expressing it as devotion. So this is the interior versus the exterior, but everything has to come from uh, the interior. The interior is the place the demon is seeking. This is possession. Once he gets inside and he's possessing parts and features of the, of the, the psychology, he cannot possess the soul, but once he gets in, that's where he's seeking. He's seeking where flesh meets soul. That's where he's he's wanting to lodge, if you will. St. Paul says between bone and marrow. Um, this is where he's, he's trying to get to. That's the part, that's the point of silence. He's wanting to uh, get to that place where decisions are made, where the intellect and will uh, engage. Um, and so, it's very, very integral part to spiritual warfare, the silence. Yeah, we, silence, all, we also... Go ahead. Yeah, Dan, Dan, silence has to be fairly important because it's mentioned over and over in Scripture. You'll find in Zephaniah, Zechariah, Psalms, be still and know that I am God, be still and know that I am the Lord. It's just, it, there's, it's, those verses are replete in the Old Testament. Also, I guess silence has to be kind of important because... God has structured us that we sleep we sleep a third of our lives. And yeah. so th there must be something to silence if God has made the human person for one third of a 24-hour day. It's in silence. Dan, comments? Yeah, no, I was going to say uh, even um, the, the hesukia is the Greek word. It's, it's an interior stillness as well. So it isn't just be silent, close your mouth. You know, shut up like in the military. Hey, sit down, shut up, do what I'm telling you. It's an interior, it's an interior uh, um, stillness. And, and also liturgically, we know um, some of the marks of, uh, of, of Western liturgy is a noble simplicity, but also times of sacred silence. Uh, in, even in the book of Revelation, you see, and there was a time of silence before the throne, before the Lamb. And so sacred silence is, is also being expressed liturgically in a time where we, we feel obsessed with filling the void of silence with music, with, with post. Uh, liturgically, we do the same thing. We fill this void of silence. We can't just have silent prayer. Like after communion, there's, there's constant music, constant chatter, constant announcements. There, this, this, is, this, this goes against some of the principles of, of, 
of liturgy, which just reflects for us man at worship, right? Man's offering, the priestly offering to God, liturgio, uh, uh, a sacrifice, an offering, on, a work on behalf of the body, the mystical body of Christ. This silence is part of, is part of our liturgical expression as Catholics as well. Good stuff. Hey, Carl, somebody just texted me. They just want to make sure that they heard it right, uh, where you said de- uh, demons are empowered uh, by the emotion of despair. Somebody just texted me and wants to confirm if that's what you said. That is correct. And so it is an offense. It's actually a sin. It's very seldom confessed. But despair is a lack of trust. It is a lack of hope. And it's a sin against the second person of the Trinity. If the demon can get you there... It is a form of the denial of Christ and the sacrifice of, of Calvary. Yeah, well, that makes yeah, sense because that was the sin of Judas, uh, the sin of despair. That's what the fathers of the church say. And we, and, uh, and, uh, we know that's, uh, again, that's exactly the way he, uh, he got Judas uh, to commit suicide. Dan Commons? Yeah, no, despair is something that we constantly work when we're dealing with our cases, constantly teaching them to battle against it, confess it. It's a, it's a grave sin, but true despair is um, confessing it. That despair is like elixir. That is, you know, one of the things we talk about is the mark inconsistent with baptism. That's, those are the pattern breaks that the, that the demon is looking for. Thoughts, words, and deeds inconsistent with the mark of baptism, indelible mark of baptism. So when despair is- We'll be back then, we'll be back. Hold on that thought, hold on that thought. Stand up, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Wednesday, War College, Dan Schneider, Kyle Clement, talking about all things spiritual warfare. Hey, here's the big question that people are always asking. This is probably one of the most commonly asked email questions or people on social media. <clears throat> on page 25 of Father Ripperger's book, Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Lady, there are prayers. It's called Prayer to Remove Generational Spirits. People say, how do I use that prayer? Let's say I have generational witchcraft in my family. I just found out about it. How do I, as a father, uh, use this prayer? How many times a day? And Do I do it in the backyard, in the, in the pool, in front of the blessed side? How do I use this prayer? Do I do it uh, over my kids or over myself? Can I be alone? Now, what if the wife is single, divorced, widow, separated... Can the wife do this prayer on page 25, prayer to remove generational spirits? Let's say the family is dealing with generational witchcraft. What say you, Dan or Kyle? Go ahead, Dan. Well, let me just preface. um, Let's distinguish between what we're talking about, generational spirits. Um, We delineate between three general types of generational spirits. Um, it's a whole topic in and of itself. We'll give an overview today, but maybe the next time we're on we, together, we can kind of go a, a deeper dive into generational spirits. Um, for example, we see um, the, the, the apostles trying to drive a demon out, and they ask the father, how long is this 
that's been uh, your son been afflicted, your child, and he said pidothian, which a Greek word meaning since he was a little feller, you would say in southern Ohio, since he was a little guy. So from his childhood, from birth, from from extreme, very young age, it's been man since he was able to manifest, it was manifesting. Um, so we see the, the presence of that. And, 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 and um, in Deuteronomy, we, you see the the to those who hate me, um, I will punish to the third and the fourth generation. So we see what and he God clearly defines those who hate me, who worship other gods, who make graven images, etc. So three general types of, of curses. We see blood curses, which which fall into two categories, either what's called Pelican witchcraft, which is the stuff you mentioned, um, your basic witchcraft stuff and and or Rosicrucianism, which is basic, which we see most commonly is Freemasonry today. So so we see we see blood meaning the bloodline. It affects the bloodline, um, you know, through through the generations, yeah. a generational um, distinguishes. Think procreational things that violate the, pro, the the generative principle. The procreational act can invite familial spirits into the family line, and then finally the spirit of the age, or the, the German word is the Zeitgeist. These are these are things are that were vulnerable to that are unleashed in the spirit of this age: anarchy, uh, uh, godlessness, the same the same sex uh, gender ideology. All these things are the spirits of the age today. And so, so, then, so the, well, as a well, preface work, go ahead. Once mom and dad identify what you've just said, they have this book in front of them on page 25. Yeah. How do they, how, when, how often do they pray this prayer? Kyle, go ahead. Okay. So let's look at the prayer and look at the theology in the prayer. Okay. <clears throat> Lord Jesus Christ, incarnate son of God, the father. So they're invoking the second person of the Trinity um, directly, Lord Jesus Christ. So we're in the deprecatory form. Thou who has chosen to enter into human history by being carried to the Blessed Mother. So this is the incarnation. This is intoning the um, condescension of God the Father to take human form. And so it's like a petition um, at this point. You're calling jurisdiction. You're, you're establishing jurisdiction. Grant, I beseech thee that any demons that may have been introduced into my generational line by any one of my ancestors may be blocked from passing to the subsequent generations. So this is an acknowledgement that um, you're not going to go back in time and say, uh, may that demon uh, be, uh, may that never have happened. Um, may my ancestor's bad choice be changed uh, or nullified. You're not asking for any of that. So this is, this is, these prayers and the structure of these prayers are very, very important. So you're acknowledging that if this is in fact the case, I ask that they block, be blocked from passing to the subsequent generations. You, what are you really looking at? The theme? Kyle, you use the word jurisdictional. You use the word jurisdictional. Uh, repeat that phrase again. You said something about this. These are jurisdictional. Okay, so anytime that you have a legal proceeding, what you're saying, it, you, you establish first and foremost jurisdiction. Okay. Um, and so that is that the judge has, in fact, uh, jurisdiction or purview or juridical um, authority in this particular area. And so what you're doing is you're establishing that Jesus Christ, God incarnate, has the jurisdiction over this particular aspect of humanity. Oh. And 
Yeah, I get, I get the, that the, makes the, clear. The, go ahead. Okay. And then, then as we go on, I ask thee that if the evil spirit entered the generational line by the sin of one or more of my ancestors, now this is very, very important, that you're not going to find this phrase in any of the Protestant models, the evangelical models, any of these models. Very simply, it says, I ask that thou wouldst pardon the temporal punishment due to their sin and free us from the demon's involvement in our lives. That's very Catholic language, extremely Catholic language. It's the acknowledgement that there are temporal consequences um, for the sins. And these sins of the, of the past may be visited upon current generations if a right was given. Now, this is a very important point. I want Dan to speak uh, to this. But we've had, uh, even most recently, an unex- inexperienced exorcist, or this person did not have exorcism experience. He wrote on behalf of the AIE, the International Association of Exorcists, and at the request of uh, the Vatican, that uh, a clarification that there's no such thing as generational sin. There's no such thing as generational curses. Um, and he cites Ezekiel uh, about each man answering for his own sin. But he does not come forward and, and bring up any of the gospel teaching, any of these things. But this idea of generational sin, this is the theological construct that Augustine gives us as original sin and the consequences of original sin. So this prayer is very Augustine, very Catholic. And it is talking about these two concepts. One is that sin does, in fact, pass from one generation to the next, and there are temporal consequences for that sin that are ongoing. And so, uh, Dan, if you'd speak to that. Kyle, let me just yeah, ask you so- a question before, before Dan says, let me just ask you, does that prayer also assert that Jesus Christ has jurisdictional authority or, or legal authority over our generational line as well. Absolutely. Okay, that's what that's what I heard you say. Okay, Dan, go, go ahead, Dan. Yeah. So I've heard that 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 um, the the citation of Ezekiel, um, which to me only affirms it, it's not a denial of the presence of generational uh, curses and generational sins. It 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 just affirms the the Catholic teaching on it, and that is this is that. This is not deterministic, um, and it, and sometimes it skips generations. Sometimes uh, God is one hundred percent in charge. Sometimes it's not. I, I've seen uh, cases. We had a case once where somebody was one of the descendants, the primary twelve founders, uh, the, the quorum of twelve of the, of the Mormon Church, and we thought this guy, if there ever was a generational curse, this guy's got it, and it turned out to be not. It was just a psychological case. You just don't know. But the Ezekiel verse uh, shows the participation that at some level, the, the vulnerability is created through some sinful act. It's not deterministic. It doesn't mean it's going to happen exactly this way. But at the end of the day, you either affirm or deny the curse. If the curse is operant in your family, someone along the family line, it, meaning you, your spouse, your child, through sinful behavior, have ratified or affirmed the curse. And so the language and also the language um, that that would pardon the, the, the temporal punishment due to their sin 
and free us from the demons involvement in our lives. You see the connection between the, the familial sin of the ancestor and the effect today. So Father Ripperger very clearly says that the family tree, you can only heal family members. How do you heal family members that have gone before us? You have masses said for them. You pray for the proposal of the souls because they're suffering in purgatory. If they made it to purgatory, they're suffering in purgatory, and you pray for their, the temporal, the satisfaction of the temporal punishment due to sin, and in breaking that or, and assisting in that construct, it also weakens their suffering, helps weaken the effect of that sin in your own, in your own familial life. So staying connected to the entire, what St. Augustine would call the, the totus Christus, the church militant, the church suffering, the church triumphant, this completes the church is the total Christ, Christ the head, its body, the members. So, so we are connected in this spiritual reality. Um, and so, so we, we see it in scripture, um, you know, John 9, who sinned, this man or his father, right? Neither sinned, right? Neither. It's so God may be glorified. This goes back to Bonaventure. It says that God, God allows the demon to be active in, in someone's life. He allows afflictions. This is why we changed from attack to formation i'm not under spiritual attack i'm in spiritual formation saying to saint bonaventure doctor of the church says there's four main reasons number one it's it's uh, uh to glorify god that god is glorified when we defeat this that when you when your family militates and defeats this generational spirit that generational spirit is no longer offered in the world god is glorified the holiness you attain god is glorified he also says it corrects us in our sinfulness it also says, number three, punishes us. God, God, there's satisfaction that needs to be made in punishment for our sins, especially when you're hardened of heart in, in the committing of repeated sins, and finally to educate us. And so who sinned, this man or his father? No one, so that God may be glorified. What did the, the, the Jewish leaders say to, to Pilate? I hear the news again. Dent, hold okay. that thought. Jesus, you're listening to Wednesday War College. Good stuff, high-level spiritual warfare. Stick around. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College, Dan Schneider, Kyle Clement. We got, uh, we, we got, when I was in the world of boxing, I, I boxed for many years and did kickboxing. When the best fighters would walk in the gym, and I trained with a bunch of world champions. When the, when the, when the world champions would walk into the gym, we would all say, all of us, say, here comes the hammers, here comes the hammers. Well, guess what? On Wednesday, here comes the hammers. Dan Schneider, Kyle Clement. Uh, Dan, Kyle, either one of you, this prayer on page 25, this theology is very rich. It's, a, it's an incarnational prayer. It's a jurisdictional prayer. Christ has authority over demons. He has authority over the generational line as well. My question is, if somebody detects that they have some type of a generational spirit, so I'll make it something simple, okay? Uh, witchcraft, or in Spanish we say brujería. How many times should they say this prayer? Maybe how many days in a row? In, in the church, outside the church, uh, do they say it three times when they say it? So the question is, how do they, this is a rich prayer, right? it's, it's pretty long, but it's rich. How do they say this prayer once they know that they have a generational spirit in the family? Kyle? Okay, so if the, genera if the generational spirit is there, he's there uh, through some formality. What does that mean? Some rite, some ritual? 
something uh, that was done in a in a formal uh, form. The very next portion of this prayer, we've already gone through the salutation to our Lord Jesus Christ, the jurisdictional statements. The very next thing is we ask for the advocacy uh, of the Blessed Mother. She's mentioned um, that uh, she affirmed the offering of her son for this purpose. Um, so let's look at how did the Blessed Mother ask for things? What, what is her modus operandi? How does she do that? Where she is most effective is in Novena. The very first Novena was the nine nights of prayer between Ascension Thursday and the rushing of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And so let's, let's go to our history. Let's go to our heritage. Let's, let's go to the proven methodology. And I would say to, to offer uh, Novena, what multiplies Novena and the power of nine or Novena? It is same people, same place, same time, same intention. And so this is how much are we committed to breaking this thing? And so if you want to if you want to break this, we had great success doing these things. Um, we developed what was called the super novenas. And this was developed, Jesse, in, re, in South Texas in response to uh, the involvement with Curandera, Brujeria, um, Santeria, various things that were afflicting families. There were times when we had uh, 15, 16 members of a family praying every night um, these super novenas to break these things. And this salutation, this prayer was part of the petition. So that gives you some method. That gives you some methodology. Um, I mean, how many people have skin in the game? If I'm a coyote and I'm praying on a group of sheep and I got one you who turns around, I'm going to think, yeah, maybe. If every you in that flock turns around, I'm gone, and the demon is no different. And so, um, the prow- the prayers of Awela, they are pretty, uh, they're pretty powerful. Yeah. But if you've got everybody pl- praying, you've got every single person in that family praying. Now you're going to rout the demon. Got it. You answer my question. So this prayer would be prayed. For- with, along with the rosary for nine days, a nine-day novena to Our Lady of Sorrows, maybe asking Our Lady of Sorrows to, to reveal the particular sin that's entered the family, and probably after you finish the, the, the rosary, uh, you would do this prayer to remove generational spirits. So yeah, I, I, I see that. You'd want to do this nine days with as many people as possible, with as many people as have a skin in the game as possible. Dan, comments? No, no, Kyle's, Kyle's exactly right. This is a very, the very, very powerful prayer. Um, to, again, going back to the Ezekiel, and I'll let, I'll let Kyle pick up where we left off, where he left off on his exegesis of this. When, when the, the Jewish leader said to Pilate, may his blood be upon us and our children, um, it shows the Jewish understanding of generational sins. The, these guys knew very clearly what Psalm 96, 5 says, that the gods of the Gentiles are demons. And those who offer to demons... Uh, worship only to God, uh, um, uh, latria, honor, adoration that is reserved to God alone, it opens a door. It, it's, it's, it's what we call interactive diabolic activity. And so, so yeah, if, if, if Ezekiel was trying to say one person uh, that, that, you know, that, that there's no such thing as generational sin because of Ezekiel, then why did the Jew, Jewish leaders at the time of Christ say these statements, both, both in the, we see in the Gospel of John? And so, so we see the interactive element of it and it's, and the more people that, that battle back, the better, this is, you know, the Orbis or the, the Tortuga, the, 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 um, 
the 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 tortuga tortugo formation what was it called the testudo is the latin Test- the turtle yeah. right the tortoise where they they overlap shields and they just slowly methodically as a unit start breaking it down let me ask you another question right there on the next page on page 26 there's a prayer that says adjuration i adjure you all you evil spirits in the name of the spotless lamb uh kyle uh, that prayer is sounds like it's an imprecatory prayer, not a deprecatory prayer. When can be, it be used, and who can use it? Okay, so it follows this prayer that we were just discussing. So an adoration is all predicated upon authority. It's all about authority. Who can pray these prayers? The ranking male member of the family. You get the Wayla there, Waylo. You you get the grandfather. You get the great grandfather. You get the ranking member, patriarchal member of the family. That's who leads these prayers, and it takes only um, only a man has the authority to adjure an evil spirit in another. A woman has the authority to adjure the evil spirit within herself, but not over her children. And not over um, any. She has it. Oh, she she may adjure a demon over her husband's corpus, but not over his office. Office. And so, Father's Book Dominion talks about uh, power and authority very, very succinctly. And he discusses power and authority the way the demons understand it and the way it functions. Um, it, it doesn't matter what the way we want it to work. And it doesn't matter what, how pure your intention or your desire may be. Functionally and under the natural law, adura- adoration is uh, to adjure something, to take control of something, to get a hold of something. That's a masculine um, office discharge. This nope. is why uh, a priest, these prayers are limited over other people, um, priests have to do the deacons can't pray during prayers got it kyle let's, let's say mom is single divorced widow separated she's at the house can she turn this prayer into a deprecatory prayer and say something like just without the without saying i could she say something like uh you know lamb of god jesus of nazareth i beg you lord to ask these uh, unclean spirits to depart can she turn that, if she's widow, separated, divorced, can she turn that prayer into a deprecatory prayer, or is it better for her to leave it alone? So there are other imprecatory prayers, um, but listen to, to the, the battlefield that you're describing. Um, when you, you're describing this woman in this household, um, and even if it's through no fault of her own, I, I'm not saying that it's it's her fault that's not what i'm right. saying right but let's let's look at let's look at a two-handed weapon that requires let's look at a claymore um a, a claymore is is anywhere from a 16 to 24 pound broadsword that's six to eight feet long and it requires not only a large man but a two you cannot wield it one-handed so let's suppose this woman uh, or this warrior is uh one-armed He's valiant, he's, he's wounded in war, uh, he's highly decorated, and you hand him a claymore, you're going to get him killed because he can't wield it. It's a two-handed weapon. Mm. And no matter how much we want to um, 
empower him, he's lacking that hand. So this divorced woman is lacking uh, a hand, very simply, with which to wield this claymore. The hand that's missing is her husband. That makes sense. Yeah, that that's now, now that's clear. That's uh, yeah. She should she should just deal with you know prayers of supplication, prayers of petition, just like uh, the woman that told Jesus Christ, Lord. My daughter's possessed by a demon. Lord, can you help her? That was a, those are supplication prayers and petition prayers from a mom. And Jesus Christ heard her prayers and delivered her daughter from a demon in the New Testament. So, yeah, understood. Uh, you're, not, spot, I'm, I'm not, you're, spot, you're spot on, Jesse. I think her most effective prayer is, Lord, give me the docility to pray as I should. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Dan, yeah, we we yeah we get. I'd like kind of comment on this as well. I know he sees him in his sector. I see him all the time in my sector. You know, um, um, I need help immediately. The the local church won't help me because my my son actually my friend has a son who's twenty three years old and and he obviously has demons and no one will help him. And the the question goes back to who is the initiator you have to the the the, the adult child needs to the one be the one who initiates the the contact and so what do you do and oftentimes it's innocent you you have a, you have a, a single parent home a mom a single mom raising a child and the child's afflicted um my advice is always you you can do uh, the protocol prayers you, you know, St. Saint, Saint Paul says, offer your body as a living sacrifice. You become uh, a, a, sacri- a, a penitential posture, beseeching the Lord to move the will of, of the adult child to want to seek help because the church can't do anything. You know, St. Augustine says, God who created you without your, without your consent will not save you without your consent. And it's hard for people to grasp that because they, they, they feel the urgency to want to help. And you, the best thing you can do sometimes is not coming up with the special secret prayer that's going to knock the demon out, but offer yourself, offer prayers, sacrifices on behalf of the person that their will might be moved towards a desire for liberation. That's See? a wrap, gentlemen. Thanks. Thank you so much. This is Wednesday War College. You've been listening to Dr. Dan Schneider, Kyle Clement, the two most literate, uh, what I call, I call these guys hammers. These guys are the hammers of Catholic spiritual warfare. Uh, you've been listening to Wednesday War College. Up next, Gary Machuda coming to you from the Midwest Command Center from Hands-On Apologetics. As for these three men, as for us three, we are out. We are 10-7, uh, out of service for uh, the show today, but we're always in service for the Lord Jesus Christ and the Blessed Virgin Mary. We're always on duty for Jesus. Kyle, Dan, myself, we're always on duty for the Blessed Virgin Mary. Just a reminder, we're called to be great saints. Don't miss the opportunity. God bless you. St. Padre Pio says, pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful, and God will hear your prayer. We are out.